But look at 2 Timothy chapter number four. I charge thee, therefore, before God. Notice who Timothy, or who Paul is charging Timothy before. He's not saying, Timothy, do this because of me. Do this because I told you to. Do this because uh, I, I want to have a good opinion of you. He said, I charge thee before God. Why? Every born again believer, every, every child of God who is here tonight and who has ever lived one day will stand before Christ and give an account for that which we've done in our body. That which we've done with the salvation that was given to us. And so Paul was telling Timothy, hey, don't do this because of me. Rather, do this because you will stand before God. Can I, I, can I help you out this evening? Before you make a big decision, before you react, before you say those words, remember you'll give an account for them. You'll have to give an account with, uh, before God about those things. So I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Verse number two, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your life for ours. Lord, I still can't wrap my mind around that. If someone as holy as you, as great as you, as awesome as you, as perfect as you, took my place, took my punishment, took my payment. Lord, you told us that you bore in your body the sins of the world. Lord, oftentimes we think about those great sins, God, that you bore in your body, those sins of murder, rape, stealing, all that stuff that we, we claim to be big. But Lord, it ought to break our hearts when we remind, Lord, you took our sin. You took my sin. And Lord, none of it's greater than the other. Sin is sin tonight, Lord. I thank you for taking mine. And I pray, Lord, this evening that you would just speak to our hearts. I'd ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, help me to preach with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, help us to leave out of here encouraged, challenged, changed, convicted. Lord, help us to leave different than the way we walked in. And God, will lift up our hands and we'll say, thank you, Lord because you have been good to us. Lord, at the end of the day, Lord, you are really all that matters when this thing is over. Ask us, Lord, to live in a life and live in a way that brings glory and honor to your name. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We see here in verse number two tonight, and we'll look at a few other verses in the word of God tonight, and by mentioning them, well, you can jot them down tonight, but the, the, the message is clear in verse number two from Paul to Timothy. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to make it into a, a, a program or, a, or a, a thesis statement. He makes it real clear. Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. That word preach means to proclaim, to, pump, uh, to publish, to herald, to, 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 to throw out, so to speak, to speak aloud. Hey, what is he to speak? The word. That which is uttered by a living voice is one definition that I found of the word word, and I think that fits very well when it comes to the word of God because this is not man's invention. This is not man's creation. This is not man's words on paper. These are the very words that God breathed by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He moved Holy 
holy men of God to write the word of God tonight, what you have in your hands tonight, what you have in your laps tonight, what you have in your possession tonight, what you have on your phone tonight is the very words of God tonight. And Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. He doesn't say preach the word and, preach the word or, preach the word in case. He says preach the word. Why? Paul was showing us and, and telling us and telling Timothy that there, there's anything that we need in the day and age that Timothy needed in his day, that we need in our day, it is biblical preaching. It is preaching that is based on and based in and brought out of and, and dug into the word of God tonight. We don't need any other kind of preaching. We don't need any kind of other, uh, we don't need motivational speakers, inspirational quotes. We need the word of God tonight preached to us in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost tonight. We see that this proclamation that Paul gives to Timothy, it's not anything new. It's not anything that all of a sudden Paul's got saved that he's come up with a concept and an idea that is new to the world and new to God. God has always used men attached to his word to proclaim the word of God. Noah was a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years. Moses told the people what God had said. The prophets cried out, thus saith the Lord. Jonah preached to the entire country of Nineveh and they all got saved by the grace of God. John preached, for a matter of fact, the day that Jesus showed up, John was down at the river baptizing and preaching. Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. Paul was preaching when Eutychus fell out the window. I absolutely love that. I've heard preaching all that. I've heard people skin Eutychus's hide one way up and one way down. But here's the funny thing. You go read that in the book of Acts. Paul didn't skin his hide. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul had started at dinner time and he began to preach he began to tell those people that were around the things of God. And the Bible said it came near midnight and Paul was still preaching. We looked it up today. We found out that the longest recorded sermon in the history of recorded sermons was 53 hours. A man started at Genesis and preached to Revelation. I thought to myself, that might be a good world record to have. So one Sunday, very soon, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one Sunday very soon. Call off work till Wednesday. But Paul was preaching. Bible said that Eutychus was up in the window. Paul had been preaching, I mean, at least three to four hours. And the Bible says that Eutychus fell asleep. And here's the thing, I've been in Eutychus' shoes, and it hadn't been three hours. I know what it's like to come in from work tired, or come into church tired and wore out from the day, just trying your best to be here and put it back there and somebody say, pray, no, good well, if I close my eyes, I may not open them for a long while. The Bible says that Eutychus fell out the window, stories down to the ground, and everybody thought he was dead. I love Paul's reaction to the book of Acts. The Bible says Paul walks over to him, Bible says he falls on him, he embraces him, gets up, and says he ain't dead. Let's go back to church, y'all. <laughs> Literally what he does. And the Bible says when Paul finally finishes preaching, they bring Eutychus in, and everybody's like, okay, he is alive. He wasn't dead. But here's the thing, God has always used men preaching the word of God throughout the generations, and nothing is new when it comes to Paul telling Timothy to preach the word, and can I say in 2022, that is what we still need, is somebody preaching from the Bible. Notice this, it's a historical precedent of preaching. There's a heavenly prescription of preaching. 
1 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Hey, they don't need a sign. We don't need the heavens to open up. We don't need wisdom. We don't need intellect. We don't need higher education and philosophy and all that wonderful stuff. We need somebody who's gonna open up the word of God and say, thus saith the Lord and stick with the book tonight. Why? That's God's chosen method. The heavenly prescription of preaching. Then we see the heavy burden of preaching. Paul in the first Corinthians later goes on to say, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity, it is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul wasn't doing it because it sounded like a good career choice. Paul wasn't doing it because he knew you could make money going on the road. Paul wasn't doing it because somebody, his mama talked him into it, his daddy helped him get along with it. Paul was doing it because he said, if I do anything else, I've failed God. And can I say this morning or this evening, you may not stand behind the pulpit like I do. You may not preach to the congregation like God has blessed me with the opportunity to do, but all of us have been called to preach the gospel that where we live, where we work, where we are, and we ought to do so with that mentality. If I do anything else, I have failed God. I have not done the simple thing that God has asked me to do, and that is to preach the gospel. There's a heavy burden that ought to be on us tonight to tell a lost and dying world that Jesus saves, their life can be changed, their eternity can change, and God's the only one that can do it. There's a heavy burden that comes with preaching. Real preaching has real effects. And tonight, we're gonna look at this thought of biblical preaching. How can I know that I'm preaching the word of God? How can I know that I'm attending a church where the word of God is being preached? Here's the thing tonight, preaching messages like this, one, it keeps me accountable. Because if I'm gonna stand behind the pulpit and say, you better be listening to biblical preaching I better be preaching biblically. And if you're gonna go out of here and say, I'm a member of South Haven Baptist Church, that which comes out of your mouth ought to line up with the word of God tonight. Help keeps us accountable when we're out doing our best to preach the gospel and to preach the word of God to those around us. I wanna give you, here's the thing, biblical preaching never goes out of style. It never, it never, it never, it never gets old, it never gets outdated. How do you know that? He said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. It doesn't matter what season it is. God needs Christians to preach from the word of God. He needs men behind the pulpits preaching from the word of God. It's a sad day and age that we live in that most of the men who stand behind a pulpit, whether it's wood or glass, normally what comes out of their mouth is anything but the word of God. Matter of fact, what we have nowadays is a lot of longhorn preaching. Y'all ever heard of longhorn preaching? You got a point here and a point somewhere over here and a whole bunch of bull in between. this, make sure I got this right. There's the charge to preach in 2 Timothy chapter number four. But there was a charge to study before that. Study to show thyself approved. Word man needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished in all, unto all good works tonight. So there's a charge to study but then there's a charge to preach. For the good bit of my young Christian life, I heard a statement and I thought it was a spiritual statement. I heard men say things like this. I've read my Bible all week. I've been it all week. And I don't got nothing. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, that's spiritual. 
They've been reading and studying. They don't have nothing. I want to be like that one day. But now on this side of it, and I'm only three years into pastoring and preaching full time, three times a week. Can I say God has been faithful to his word? But it don't come when I'm just sitting right there. All the other stuff that I holler and spit about before I get up here, that comes right there. But there's got to be a time of study. I heard a story of a preacher that he would neglect his study during the week. He'd always find something else to do. And he'd get up here Sunday morning, he'd sit right here and he'd beg God, God, I need a message. Lord, I need something to preach. I need to tell these people something. Lord, I need a message. Lord spoke to him and said, here's your message. You're lazy. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly tonight. Now, you may not always have a formulated three-point message with you know, points and illustrations and poems and all that wonderful stuff. But I guarantee you, if you get into this book and you study it and you spend time with it and you read it and you meditate on it, you won't have, you know, you may not have a title and the points that I have tonight, but God will give you a message. God will give you a message. But tonight I want to give you three truths about biblical preaching. Three truths concerning biblical preaching. Number one, biblical preaching should be practical. Biblical preaching should be practical. Notice what he says right there in verse number two. I charge thee, excuse me, preach the word, be in season, out of season. And here's the next three words, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And's not in there, I added it in there because I took, I'm, I went to school and I, out of habit I put and in a series. But reprove, rebuke, exhort tonight. See, biblical preaching doesn't just sound good, but it's good to live by. It's good to practice. See, there's a lot that might take place in preaching. There's information that can be given. There's illustrations that can be drawn. There's inflection that might draw your intention in. But notice here, the verse doesn't say, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season and give them information and give good illustrations and use voice inflection. It's not what it says. It says reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And when those are done, the hearer, whomever you are preaching to, whomever you are speaking to, whomever you are, are sharing the word of God or the gospel with, when you do one of those three, that leaves the hearer in a predicament. Now they have to make a choice. Now they have to put into practice that which you have preached to them, that which you have taught to them, that which you have shown them from the word of God. And that's God's design tonight. That's why he tells uh, Timothy, reprove, rebuke, and exhort because when you take the word of God, it's gonna do one of those three. If not all three of them in the same message. You ever been in a message like that? where God reproves you, he proves himself faithful to you again, and you're thinking, well, that's great, that's wonderful, and then he rebukes, you're like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can handle this, and then here comes the exhortation, you say, my goodness, God is so good, all in a span of 30 minutes. Biblical preaching can accomplish all those at the same time, but it's, it should be practical. In essence, it should be when it's said and done, you ought not to walk out and say, what in the world was he talking about? Or what, what in the world was she trying to tell me? What in the world? I have no idea. And here's the thing tonight. Biblical preaching ought to be, you ought to say, all right, this is what he preached on, and here's what I can do with it. 
because some preaching will reprove you. That word means to prove again. And sometimes we need that in our Christian life where God sets us down and through the preached word of God, we're reminded of God's faithfulness, we're reminded of God's goodness, we're reminded of God's grace, we're reminded that we'll sit before the judgment seat of Christ, we're reminded of all those things and with that reproving, we're reminded of what we're supposed to be doing. To prove again, it'll put away my doubt and my trust in the Lord will return. Reprove, rebuke. Thank you, honey, I hear you back there. Rebuke means to correct chasing to discipline. When it's preached and the word of God begins to rebuke you, you'll have to come to this, am I going to quit what I'm doing? Am I going to quit doing it my way and start doing it God's way again? Sometimes you got to be rebuked. Sometimes you got to be reproved. Sometimes you got to be exhorted. Sometimes we just need encouragement. How many are glad tonight the Lord knows exactly what you need when you need it? And here's the thing tonight, when the Bible's being preached, I don't always know what you need in the moment and sometimes even when you've told me what you need I still don't know what you need I don't know if it was up to me tonight and and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it I would not be able to do all three at one time I'd have to pick one or the other it's amazing how how I can set off thinking all right this is going to be the exhortation message God says watch this you fixing to rebuke everybody from the word of God Lord that's not what I signed up for but it's what we needed. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It means to encourage. Will I continue to go on even though I feel like quitting right now? Biblical preaching should be practical. When the preaching is done, whether it's me doing it, whether it's what you're listening to, whether it is what you're telling somebody else, when it's said and done, you ought to, they ought to know, all right, here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's how I'm supposed to do. Here's how I can live it out in my everyday life. Biblical preaching should be practical. Notice number two tonight. Biblical preaching can be painful. Biblical preaching can be painful. I learned when I was in management at Sonic University, it's a prestigious university that they hold in a hotel lobby room. They taught us the sandwich. You put a positive, a negative, and a positive because that makes things taste better. But tonight, just how, how, how it lays out right here, right here, you, got, you can't get to the rest of it unless you get to point number two. Biblical preaching can be painful. Now, tonight, when I say painful, I'm talking about a good pain, a pain that is needed in our life, a pain that when we go through it, it's not just a great loss, but it's a pain that, that teaches us and shows us that we're growing. Think about it this way. If you've ever had surgery, it's a painful experience depending on what the surgery is. But it leads to a good outcome. Or that's the purpose behind it. You've got something in your body that's not supposed to be there. Now they've got to cut you open and pull that thing out. And there's a pain that comes with that. Now you don't feel it in the moment always because sometimes you're under. Sometimes that place is medicated and all that kind of stuff. I remember being, I was five years old I was in kindergarten, and my tonsils had begun to swell. And that was the one time in my life I got a ride in an ambulance. I rode from one hospital to another hospital in Colorado. I, all I remember is laying in the bed, not on everything that's going on. And I just remember the, the nurse or the, the anesthesiologist saying, all right, count back from 10. I'm in kindergarten. I'm going to try my best. 
<laughs> I swear going 10, 9, I was gone. I woke up and my throat was sore. I just remember thinking, what in the world did they do? They went in there and cut out my tonsils. It was a good pain because that was actually alleviating the greater pain that I had from my tonsils swelling. And in our Christian life, when I say biblical preaching is painful, it's not because I'm trying to inflict pain on you or you're trying to inflict pain on somebody, but in the process of growing and, and, and examining our hearts, it sometimes can get painful because we have to be honest. We have to be honest. See, there's the pain of examination. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me ask you today. See, it's fixing to get real painful. <laughs> what was your thought life like today? Was every thought you had today becoming of God and bring glory to God? Painful, ain't it, if you're honest? Because if you're like me, some of the things I thought about today, some of the things I think about in my everyday life, well, I'm glad they stay as thoughts. People don't always know what's going on in my brain. But it's painful. Because you have to look at God and say, God, I'm your child. I know the truth. I know you don't want me thinking about these things. I know you don't want me doing, uh, uh, dwelling on these things, but Lord, I've been there. When we step back and we examine our hearts, examine our thought life, it can get painful. But it's a good kind of pain because it helps us to realize that we ought not to be thinking about those things. There's a pain of examination. It says the discerner of the thoughts. And in that same verse, at the end of it, in verse number 12 of Hebrews chapter number four, it says the intents of our heart. The intents of our heart. Let me ask you, everything you've done this week, everything you've done today, did you do it with the right heart? Well, if you're gonna be honest, that can get painful. But it's a good kind of pain because you step back and say, all right, from now on, from now on, I'm going to do that with the right heart and the right spirit in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Kind of notice it tonight. We was exhorting in the beginning, wasn't we? Now we're in the rebuking stage. And hopefully by the time we get number three, we'll be in the reproving stage. Not only is there the pain of examination, but there's also the pain of expansion. Philippians 2.12, Paul instructs those believers to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, and that's a rewarding pain because it's uncomfortable because your flesh doesn't like it. People don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to everybody, but yet you know that's what God wants you to do, and you're working out that which God has put in you, and you're seeing God grow in your life, and you're growing in the Lord, and it's a rewarding kind of pain. It's kind of like working out. I worked out, or I didn't work out. I worked with a man. His name was Jimmy, and he was in the cat shop with me. My age, maybe a little bit, a few years older than me. And he worked out all the time. All the time he'd work out. Now, he never did leg day, but he would work out all his upper body. And I'd be over there working at my station. I'd look over there. Jim would be over at his station, not building nothing, not doing anything. He'd be over there. Just looking at himself all along. Seeing the reward of his labor of working out in the gym. What bothered me the most, I'd be like, hey, Jimmy, come help me pick up this cat. Oh, man, I can't do that. I just worked out yesterday. What do you work out for? I don't work out. I can pick up twice as much wood as you can. Yeah, but do you look as good as me? I said, come over here so I can hit you with this piece of wood. <laughs> and here's the thing. The more you become like Christ, that, that 
growing pain of expansion as your flesh is cut away and it's mortified. They don't ever feel good, but it's necessary. But the more we do that and the more we grow in Christ, we'll step back and say, well, I don't even look like myself no more. I'm becoming more and more like him. Biblical preaching should be practical. Biblical preaching can be painful. Biblical preaching, number three, will always be promising. Biblical preaching will always get the job done. Biblical preaching is always what we need. It is still God's chosen plan and God's chosen method to present the gospel to a lost and dying. He chose the foolishness of preaching. Look at verse number four. Verse number three again. Verse number two. Get there eventually. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. But we can't get away from that word long suffering, can we? Was there Wednesday night? I think it was there last Sunday. Well, if y'all would just get the point. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could get away from there. But notice this morning we dealt with the word doctrine. That which is what we're taught and what we learn and that which we know to be true. And then we hear, once again, we're here with long suffering. And tonight it is dealt with and it's tied to the, the thought of preaching the word. Why was Paul telling, Paul was telling Timothy to preach the word when he was telling him to preach it with long suffering? He was telling him to stick with it. Stay with it. Keep doing it. Even when it looks like it's not making a difference. Even when it looks like nothing's changing, nothing's improving. Preach the word with long suffering. And he says, in doctrine. He says, Timothy, stay with it and don't stray from it. Don't trade it in for anything else. Don't trade it in for motivational speakers, inspirational speakers. He said, stick with doctrine. Why, why, preacher? Why is that necessary? As one preacher told me, preaching will always, biblical preaching will always get the job done. Keep telling them the gospel. Keep telling them the truth. Don't budge the line. Don't change the standard. Preach the word. Why? Biblical preaching will always get the job done. The Bible says that the word of God will not return void. That when we preach God's, now your opinion will be void. Your opinion is just like everybody else's. It's theirs and nobody really wants to hear it. But God's word will not return void. Preacher, why? Why should I keep preaching? Why should I keep biblically or preaching from the Bible and preaching biblical truth and telling others about the truth of God's word. Why? Those in need of salvation need to hear your preaching. They need to hear your presentation of the gospel. They need to hear you share the gospel. Why? How shall they call on him who they've not heard and they've not believed? How shall they believe in him who they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? Those in need of salvation need to hear our preaching. Those growing in sanctification need to hear your preaching. Colossians 1 verse 28, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ, that we may help every man perfect means there to be mature, to be, to be grown up in the, in the faith. And tonight, those that are going and living the Christian life, those that, are, like we talked about this morning, you gotta have the young and the age tonight. You gotta have those, those in both roles tonight because somebody needs to tell somebody, this is what the Bible says. This is how you grow in Christ. This is how God changes your life. This is how you, how you pray. This is how you read your Bible. This is how you study your Bible. This is how you soul win. This is how you share the gospel. This is how you tithe. This is how you give. This is how you pray. All those things tonight, somebody needs to hear your preaching so they can grow in Christ. 
And those going through a struggle tonight need to hear your preaching. Isaiah 61, verse number one. I know it's speaking about the Lord tonight, but the truth ought to trickle down to us. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Those who are going through struggles tonight need to hear your message. They need to hear that you trusted a biblical promise. You trusted out of, you took God at his word and God was faithful. They need to hear that when everything falls apart, God can still hold them together because God said that he would work all those things together for good, that God would take care of us. He'd provide all of our needs and he would, he would keep us and, and, and keep us saved and keep us sanctified and keep us clean and keep us together, keep us safe. And they need to hear that from you tonight from the word of God. It's not just the preacher tonight. Can I say those going through a struggle need to hear your preaching. Those growing in sanctification need to hear your preaching. Those in need of a salvation need to hear your preaching. Let me ask you that. Are they going to hear you preach? And if so, what are they going to hear you preach from? i just tell you what. Here's my opinion on the matter. If you're going to ask me, here's what I would do in this scenario, and here's how I would do it. No, we need to get in the word of God and say, here's what God says. Preacher, what would you do in this scenario, what the Bible tells me to do? Preacher, what would you do in this situation, what the Bible tells me to do? Preacher, how would you handle this? The way the word of God tells me to handle it. Well, how's the word of God tell us to handle it? Let's, let's get in and find out. So many times we tell people what we think is comfortable, what we think works, but can I say tonight what people need to hear from me and you is preaching from the word of God tonight. Why? It always works. It always works tonight. So, let me ask you tonight, if you're going to preach, if you're going to tell somebody, what are you going to tell them and where are you going to get it from tonight? It needs to be from the word of God.